today and he's going to reside over Lord's Supper for us. Uh, uh, good friend, brother Victor, uh, we serve on, uh, well, we still serve together on the shepherding team at Presbytery. So, um, and I'll let him kind of, you know, fill in the rest of the blanks when he comes up here. Um, and then from here on out, he, he's on his own next time he visits. So would you, Will, hear your well, brother, come on up here. Thank you. So good to be here. And uh, yeah, I've just felt so welcomed by you all. Um, for those I haven't gotten a chance to meet, I hope to do so before I, I leave today. Um, but yeah, it's good to worship with you all and to, to see you face to face. I've never been to Grace Church. I've heard a lot about you. Um, but yeah, it's a joy to, to bring God's word to you today. Uh, like Les said, my name is Victor. Um, I've lived in Nebraska for about five years. I used to be a pastor at Grace Chapel in Lincoln, Nebraska, originally from Kansas City, Missouri. Um, have three kids, uh, two boys and a girl, Jed, Asher, and Rory. Rory is nine months, and she's the cutest baby that you will ever lay your eyes upon. Um, I, I did not bring a picture to put up on the slides, but that's you can catch me afterwards, and I'll show you one on my phone. But... Yeah, um, happy Advent. If you would turn to um, Isaiah chapter 8, we'll be starting in verse 22 and read on into chapter 9. This is Isaiah 8, 22. I'll give you a moment. Isaiah 8, 22. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, tumult, every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. 
Father God, what an amazing promise. Uh, one that we know has come to pass in the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. Um, and yet is so applicable to uh, where we are right now uh, in a world that is full of darkness. Um, darkness that uh, shrouds us. Darkness that we create sometimes. And so, Lord, we have your book open before us. And uh, we are just hungry to hear from you. Uh, we long to, to be um, led and, and seen by you through your word, to be fed by you at the table. Um, our faith needs it. I need it. And so, Lord, we, we look to you just in these moments as we have this whole morning and, and, and ask that you'd be very present here by your spirit. Um, speak to us, Lord, your servants are listening. I pray this in Jesus' strong name. Amen. So we can find ourselves in various kinds of darkness, right? There's the, the annoying darkness that we put up with as we stumble to the bathroom in the middle of the night. There's the abrupt darkness that's kind of thrust upon us as the winds howl outside and the rain pours down um, and lightning takes away the electricity that we have, have taken for granted. There's the, the scary darkness that we might experience as we walk down an unfamiliar street or explore an unfamiliar home. There's also this existential kind of darkness and inner anguish and gloom because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Some of those that we have created ourselves. Um, we feel in these moments cut off from anything good, anything beautiful. We feel sometimes cut off from God himself. And it's in moments like this that we are so tempted, right, to take things into our own hands. We try to fabricate some sort of light so that we might find our way. But it feels like all of our attempts to light our own path only thrust us deeper and deeper into that darkness. And this was the kind of darkness that the people of Israel were experiencing who received Isaiah's words, a nation that had been divided against itself now for almost 200 years, enduring corrupt leadership, one failed king after another. And to top it off, now surrounding nations are carrying off their estranged brothers and sisters, and it's only a matter of time until they come knocking at their door. And so they, they take things into their own hands. They try to light their own way, right? They trust in political alliances with Syria, with corrupt na nations, and compromise their calling to remain set apart in the world. They turn to alternative spiritualities and consult the dead for wisdom instead of the living God. And it says in verse 22 that they look to the earth. They look to the earth. They look to the earth and what it provides, its resources, its materials and power for some kind of salvation, some kind of light. And what do they find? 
darkness. And it's not just any kind of darkness. You know, did you, did you see it earlier? Look at verse 22 again. Distress, gloom, thick darkness, a triple darkness, a hopelessness that can't be shaken. I wonder if you have experienced this kind of darkness again and again. You've turned to other things, political ideologies, alternative spiritualities, or just good old upward mobility to light your way. And again and again and again, they've failed you. They've puttered out and left you kind of stumbling, wandering about in darkness, darkness, darkness. So how do we make it through the darkness? That's the question we'll ask this morning. How do we make it through Well, we look to God's word this morning in Isaiah 9 and find that in order to make it through the darkness, we need Christ to light our way. We need him to do two things, remind us of past mercies and to remind us of promises still to come. And so this first point, he reminds us of past mercies. Look at verse four with me. It says, for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. So here Isaiah recalls the historical acts of God on behalf of his people. Yoke, staff, rod. You know, for the 8th century Israelites, these words, they would have triggered the imagination of these Jewish people. They would have reminded them of certain events in their long history. Um, They would have reminded them first of the Exodus, the ultimate salvation story of the people of God, where God remembered them, weakened Egypt with with his plagues, and rescued them, right, out of slavery. But then Isaiah mentions another historical event. He says, on the day of Midian. He's hearkening back to, you might remember, Gideon's rescue in Judges, in, in the book of Judges. Chapter 7, an angel calls Gideon to be the rescuer of Israel. And the Lord confirmed to him through signs and dreams that he'd use Gideon and his measly army of 300 men to defeat the Midianites. So why would Isaiah draw upon these historical events? Isaiah is calling his audience to see their their dark circumstances through eyes of faith. And not a hallmark card kind of faith. Eyes that look back on the historical faithfulness of God in the Exodus and Gideon events. He's reminding them that yes, this darkness that you're in is real. It is scary. It is overwhelming. But there is something that makes the darkness tremble. There is a God who has been faithful to you and who will be faithful to you again. And in fact, someday worldwide peace will triumph over the oppression of these foreign nations, so much so that they won't need their instruments of warfare. So look at verse 5. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. So when Israel is shrouded in darkness, God reminds them of past mercies. 
so that they might see through the darkness with eyes of faith. Um, over Thanksgiving, my family and I, we went to Kansas City, which is where I'm from, uh, and we, we got to stay in a hotel, which was nice, and my boys got to swim in an indoor pool at this hotel. And at first, when we told our boys about this, they were so excited. You know, that, remember, they're five and three years old. They, they took swimming lessons this past summer for the first time, and they, they took some risks. You know, they, they took some risks at the pool. But when they approached the indoor pool at the hotel, their initial excitement, it suddenly turned to, to like trepidation. <laughs> and instead of jumping in, they kept their distance and shivered in their dry swimsuits. Um, and I was, I was surprised, right? Like what happened to our, our little fish? You know, that just were so eager to jump in the pool. Um, but instead of, you know, belittling their fear, I, I got in the pool and I held my hands up to them. And I was like, you guys, come on, I've got you. Remember, we've done this before. And every one of us has a tendency to, uh, towards spiritual amnesia, right? We, we so easily forget the innumerable times that God has shown up for us, that God has rescued us, that God has caught us when we needed him most. So how has God been faithful to you? How has God caught you? What historical evidence do you have that might enliven your faith that God could use in your most desperate moments to, to remind you, like, hey, I've got you. Remember, we've done this before. What particular acts of salvation does Grace Church have to steward? How has God carried this church through its most vulnerable moments, its most vulnerable years? You know, unless we take up this regular practice of remembering, we will forget and quickly turn to our own devices. But is remembering what God has done for us enough? Unfortunately, in remembering God's past mercies towards us, we also have to face the, the unfaithful ways that we have responded to him too. So yeah, sure, God rescued the people of Israel in the, in the Exodus, that great salvation event. But what else happened? They also grew impatient in the wilderness. They also failed to enter the promised land because their God seemed smaller to them than the size of the Canaanites. Gideon's story, you know, it's unexpected. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's a huge event in the life of Israel. But, but also remember that unexpected victory quickly turned and unraveled into apostasy on Gideon's part. He turned away from the Lord. And so to get out of the darkness, we need something more than simply remembering what God has done, don't we? I mean, it's important, but we need something more. And so how do we make it out of the darkness? First, you know, Christ reminds us of past mercies, but then he reminds us of present promises yet to come. So quickly, look, look back at verse 2 with me. 
It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You've multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. So what does it take to look at the thickest of darkness and declare that good is on its way? A light is beginning to shine. A joy is coming. So much so that it's as good as done. Because did you see the way that Isaiah talks about the light and talks about the joy? Verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. On them, light has shone. Verse verse 3, you have increased its joy. Isaiah is talking about future things, things that won't happen for 700 years. He's talking about future things, things not yet, as if they've already come to pass. I mean, is this just like flagrant naivete, or is it a feisty hope? I'll let you decide. But what makes me lean towards the latter is that Isaiah, he doesn't ground this futuristic vision in the faithfulness of God's people. Thank goodness, right? Look at verse 6. He says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God looks at us stumbling about in the darkness and says, I will go to them. I will enter into their darkness. I will take up their burden. I will make their cause my own. He looks at us struggling to light our own ways and and says, I will be your wonderful counselor. I will give you wisdom from above and guide you through all of life's turns and toils. I will be your mighty God. I will fight your enemies, your battles for you. Your greatest enemy I will defeat, which is sin and death. I will be your everlasting father. I will be a helper to the helpless. I will protect you. I will discipline you in my care, in my love. And lastly, I will be your prince of peace. I will make you whole inside and out. Isaiah grounds Israel's hope in God himself, who promises to enter vulnerably as a helpless babe into the darkness we've gotten ourselves into. Some of you might be familiar with uh, the show, The Home Edit. It's a show on Netflix, and it's about these two friends who started a home organizing business. And this show, this business has just exploded over the past few years. Um, And I'll watch this show with my wife because she just loves this kind of stuff. But every show, you know, these two women, they enter into the clutter and chaos of people's homes. Hollywood stars like Reese Witherspoon and then nobodies like you and me. You know, they, they, they enter into these people's homes with their crea- creativity, their wisdom, their unceasing positivity, and they turn these helpless closets and kitchens and bedrooms 
into color-coordinated spaces of beauty and order. Um, it, it's oddly satisfying to watch this show. <laughs> um, and and it, it, it makes me uh, think of just Genesis chapter 1, where God you know, looks at the chaos and, and speaks a word, and it comes into order, right? And so what's, but what's so intriguing to me about the show is the way in which these women treat the people they're working with. You know, it'd be so easy to look at the insufficient and broken ways these people have gotten by on their own to ridicule them, you know, but they do the exact opposite. They enter humbly into the mess of these spaces that, that you know, shed light on the mess of their owner's lives. Just think of your rooms in your homes, the ones that have you know, that are behind those locked doors that you, you, can, you can't imagine inviting, you know, your friends, let alone strangers, into. But they, they, these women, they enter into these people's homes, these people's lives, and they leave it organized, sure. But they also care for the people in a way that leaves not only their spaces organized, but the people changed as well. And I think Christ does this for you and me. He lights up our darkness. He enters into the messiness of our lives, but he does so humbly with great care. He's born to us. So the places in your life and mine that hold the most darkness and, and chaos are those places he longs to move towards to shed light on, and to do so in a way that is kind, that doesn't expose or condemn you, but in a way that applies the healing balm of his grace, a kindness that will lead you to repentance and real change. So friends, there is a light that is shining. There's a way out of the darkness the light of the world has come. So instead of taking things into our own hands, fall into the hands of this king who put himself into your hands first, who made himself vulnerable again and again as he washed our feet, suffered with us in our grief, took up our wailing over sin and dying, who endured our slander, our mocking, who hung on the cross and bore the sins of the world who died a criminal's death and was buried in a cold tomb, but then was birthed again out of the ground in triumphant resurrection. Put your hands, put yourself in his hands. He's born to us, to you, to me, for those walking in thick darkness, for those who look to the earth, to political saviors and alternative spiritualities and all that they find is darkness, darkness, darkness. You know, he rules over us as this good, benevolent king who came to us as an infant, as an infant who wrapped himself in our weak flesh and entered into our darkness as the light of the world. And will you let the Christ child light your way? Come, adore him, bow down to him. He's our king. Amen. Let me pray.
Father, what um, man, what a sweet time in the life of this church to enter into such a significant transition and into the season of Advent at the same time, a season of waiting, a season of reflecting on how you have come, but, but waiting for you to come again. It's a season of darkness. It's a season of longing. It's a season of looking for your light to shine. And, um, and so I pray for Grace Church um, as they wait here in kind of a, a dark season, but a season that, um, that is also filled with anticipation and hope that, that we get to see you act. We get to see you move um, in response to our prayers because you are a gracious God who cares and shepherds his people. And so, Lord, would you, um, would you bring this church a man uh, who, who can lead them and, and walk with them humbly? And, and so I pray for that person now, um, that you would be leading him, guiding him, preparing him and his family. Um, I pray for less and just his work here, um, uh, caring for this church in the interim. Would you strengthen him and his family too? Um, and, uh, yeah, I pray for the leaders here and that you would give them much grace, um, and provide for this church. Uh, Lord, thank you just for, uh, how you've come in the person of Jesus, uh, so humbly, and how you will come again. Uh, we look to you, you now. Will you meet us, Lord, um, at the table? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, yeah, we do get to transition to the table. Um, and what we have heard uh, 